to the Radio Life Sciences Podcast for a behind-the-scenes look into GSLS, made by students and educators for the scientists of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of Radio Life Sciences. And this episode, we will focus on the, uh, the past, present and future of the corona pandemic and its impact on uh, education within the Graduate School of Life Sciences. Um, for that, we have two guests at the table, apart from our uh, second host. So my name is Harald van Rijen. I'll be one of, one of the hosts today. And the second host is Eveline Kallenberg, former neuroscience and cognition student yes. uh, at the Graduate School of Life Sciences. Uh, when did you graduate, uh, Evelina? Uh, last summer, so summer of 2021. Great, thanks. Also at the table we have Gijs Teunis. Not sure how to pronounce that in English, but uh, <laughs> maybe you can uh, help us there, uh, Gijs. Um, you're a current master student yes. uh, of One Health. You started in September 2020. Mm-hmm. And, um, but before that, um, you were a bachelor student at the University College Roosevelt. Yes. Which is not exceptional, but interesting. So uh, tell us about Roosevelt. Yeah, it's a university college in uh, Middelburg uh, of uh, all places. So uh, most international students don't know it, but it's in the the south uh, of the country. And um, yeah, the university colleges in the Netherlands uh, allow you to sort of pick a broader program. So you can do some um, different courses. Um, And uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do (laughs) when I finished high school. So I figured this would be a good opportunity to sort of postpone that decision a little bit and try some some different things. So there I ended up doing uh, mathematics, biomedical sciences and chemistry within a completely random minor in antiquity, <laughs> um, uh, just for fun. Um, although this didn't fully solve the problem because then uh, I didn't know what I wanted, still didn't know what I wanted to do afterwards. So then it took me a couple of years before I found um, my uh, interdisciplinary program of uh, One Health, which sort of fit the background and the, the broad approach to uh, research that I, I like. Yeah, you're, uh, well, you're now at the, uh, the final part, I guess, uh, yes. of your master's program. So yeah. what kind of internships did you do? So tell us about One Health. Um, so the One Health, of course, is the uh, intersection of uh, human, animal, and environmental health. Um, I focus particularly on the intersection between human and animal health, where I did uh, my major research project looking into um, various biosecurity practices and their um, association with antimicrobial usage. And then for my minor research project, which I just finished, I um, looked into um, the, uh, I constructed a source attribution model using machine learning methods for um, the salmonella, uh, several cervars of salmonella, um, to try and attribute where the, most of them uh, uh, originate from which animals across uh, several European countries. And then now to do some of the environmental health stuff as my writing assignment, I'm looking into um, the literature review of the connection between air pollution and COVID-19. Wow. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Super interesting, especially because we just uh, read the news yesterday that um, COVID um, presumably originated from the, uh, the animal market in Wuhan. Mm-hmm. So it's so close to where, uh, to One Health, of course. Not really nice. Um, our uh, second guest is Beren Prakke. Um, he is a professor of pediatric immunology and in the uh, Wilhelmina Chilmers Hospital, University Medical Center, uh, but also the vice dean of education and the director of the education center of the UMC Utrecht. Um, Berend, uh, professor of pediatric immunology, uh, what is the, the, the context of that? Yeah, we are studying the immune system, mostly in, uh, in uh, children, so... Uh, 
And that's interesting because you start actually with the fetal immune system, which is for me as an immunologist very intriguing because of the immune tolerance uh, until it's really, uh, you have a grown-up immune system. I must say I'm still jealous of Gijs, what he did in his uh, <laughs> bachelor. That's, that's very intriguing. Antiquity is one of the... the uh, <laughs> so I studied in a different century uh, and uh, I didn't have a nice program like you had. Yeah, yeah I was slightly jealous as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah maybe life, um, the um, lower arts and sciences is uh, underappreciated in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why, actually. Yeah, well, it's it's relatively new, I think, the University College, because the University College Roosevelt was only the second one, I think. Uh, I think UCU was first. Yep. Um, and while I was at UCR, we celebrated the 10th year anniversary, so they haven't really been around for, for that long in the Netherlands anyway. Um, I think we have more of a culture, I guess, around specialization uh, uh, from, from, the, uh, yeah, from history, I guess. Uh, that's how it's always been here. Yeah. Okay, um, and... Um, so the topic of today is the corona pandemic and the impact on, uh, on education. Um, you started, um, you're introducing life sciences, I guess, fully online. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you started it fully online. Yep. So what was your experience, um, um, guys, in the past two years? Yeah, um, the, I think for uh, a lot of the, my master program, I sort of, um, uh, as we'll get back to the uh, article later, but I did sort of uh, accidentally ride the wave <laughs> of the COVID pandemic um, in a lot of the uh, things I did, because during the courses, the restrictions were um, much less already a little bit, but the ILS was fully online, which uh, was a bit of a shame, but... Um, yeah, I'd already lived in Utrecht for a few years, so I, I know some people here and I have some, some friends spread across the country. So because of, for me personally, this wasn't so much of a, a letdown, but I imagine for particularly international students and, and people who came from outside that didn't know many people, that was much, uh, a much yeah, more negative experience uh, because of it. So did it, uh, I mean, we even had to close the, the labs for a, for a while. We weren't allowed, oh, so we had to halt uh, the minor internship for uh, a period in time, which were, of course, very unfavorable decisions that we had to make to protect uh, lab space uh, for students that uh, in their major internship. Was this something that also had impact on you or perhaps on your colleagues? Um, yeah, on, on fellow students of mine. The things I did, as, a, uh, as I described, are, of course, data analysis things. So I was just at home behind my laptop anyway. So I, I was fortunate in that respect, but I had a, uh, yeah, a lot of fellow students who, who faced delays because all of a sudden they right you can you can do some prep work and some literature research before you actually start the project but at some point you have to go into the lab to analyze your data and some people couldn't um yeah for your major research project that that uh, is quite stressful um I think in the end, most people I talked to, because the university did give a lot of space and sort of giving extensions and things like that, considering around it, so it, it worked out, but um, yeah, you end up having to take extra time later in your master to, to because there was such a, a while where you, you couldn't really do uh, anything. Uh, and you still have to, of course, do all the other projects uh, and other courses as well uh, at some point. And you can't necessarily quickly adapt enough to, to do some electives or something. In the, I know a couple students who managed to work that out, that they... Um, the lab closed, so they faced a delay, and they managed to sign up for some some courses. But not everybody uh, could manage to to do that. What did they do as an alternative? Yeah, nothing. 
Nothing really. Yeah, I know a couple of people who just couldn't. Yeah, they were ostensibly um, working on their paper, uh, doing doing research and things like that. But there's only, uh, well, at least from my perspective, I think there's only so much you can do. So at some point, they they must have just been doing doing nothing. Mm, okay. And do you know anything about the consequences that that had on their, I don't know, well-being in in a way or? Um. Yeah. Um. Stress uh, around it. Um, there was a lot of of the communication from the university I got that they didn't feel stressed as in oh oh shit I'm not going to be able to to finish it uh, on time. They mm -hmm. knew that they would be able to get extra time, but um, yeah, we're students. Uh, we don't necessarily have a lot of money, <laughs> um, so knowing that you, you yeah you're going to have to take extra time at at some point um, at the end of it that you didn't prepare for is yeah. stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and you can't, particularly for international students, a lot of the jobs that they, they can take in the country here, such as, as working in the, the some service industry jobs and things, were of course also closed during the pandemic. So there's yeah. also not yeah. something you can do in the, in that aspect either. Yeah, okay. So guys, if you uh, think about your period at uh, UCR, um, that I, I know that's a very closed community of students, very uh, socialized. And how do you think it would be for the, these students during COVID? That yeah, I uh, I don't know because we were on campuses, so um, you live with people in a in a house or on a hallway. So I assume that at least with with those sort of communities, you you can still see each other to some degree. Um, I know most of my friends at the time lived, lived right right across from me, right? So so we could hang out in the, the common areas and things like that. But I'm, I'm not sure how they handled with closing those or, or things like that, maybe. Um, I think, though, in, in Utrecht, where you're not around all your fellow students necessarily, depending on where you live, of course, it's it's much harder for the, the social aspects. I think they yeah. disappeared much stronger than they would... Uh, in a much more close-knit place where you, you everybody knew everybody. There were there were five places we could go. That's where all the students went. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's a it's a much different experience. Now, I think that's a good point. I was a tutor for biomedical science students, and you saw quite a lot of them uh, moving back to their parents during COVID. And uh, one of the the examples we discussed that before, Harold, is that uh, you would still hear students in their third year talking about uh, I have to go to school or I don't go to school. It's like they were still at high school. Yeah. A question, Berend. Uh, do you think that we have learned enough as um, um, faculties or university to be more prepared for um, the challenges that we may face in the upcoming flu plus season? Yeah, I, th I think uh, there, there, there are two sides to it. I think for a small group of people, we've learned a lot. As a community, as a society, I don't know what we've learned because maybe it's part of human nature. We tend to forget completely what happened during these two <laughs> years. And, uh, and you see something happening also is that the solidarity that we had during the first phase of COVID is completely gone. So I would be really worried about what would happen if COVID would really strike back again in the winter. I don't know whether we're really prepared for that. I mean, as a society, as a university, I think we will be prepared. Yeah, I know that there is a plan now. So uh, um, with different phases and um, I 
well, looking back, the proposed uh, um, restrictions are quite moderate. So even yep. in the worst phase of uh, the pandemic, uh, well, given extreme uh, circumstances, of course, um, we may have to reduce the group size to a max of 75 or maybe wear a face mask or keep distance. So this is quite moderate, which would mean that the university has the intention to keep the labs and the buildings open at that time. So that is a good sign, I guess, but still we will have limitations. Um, but what I um, experienced in the past half year, maybe the past year, is that it, um, the, um, that students do not show up, um, so that they may have come in a different rhythm or a different style or culture, that it's um, not natural for them to come to the campus to, to be in a lecture or in a working group. So, is this, is, is this restricted to...? Um, no, to no, 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 I, I completely agree with you. We lost the students, uh, quite a lot of them, actually. We lost them. They, uh, well, they may still be living with their parents. They will follow the classes online. And one of the... Hey, you asked about the lessons learned. If you look at the sector plan, which has been written by the, the government, actually it's pretty good. And they say one of the lessons learned is that... Uh, uh, going to university is not just learning things. It's it's much broader than that, and that it, that the university also has a social function in developing students. And this is what we, of course, aim for in the new Utrecht School, is that it's really important. But students might not feel that same way because you can do quite a lot and get your points from home. And this is really uh, an important lesson learned. And then there's the second part. I think most of the students are doing. So with the knowledge part, pretty good. During COVID, you see more higher grades in general, yeah, for whatever reason, that's, that's true. But we've also seen that the inequality has increased. Um, some students just can't handle it uh, at home. And worldwide, you see an enormous uh, gap uh, of between the haves and have-nots, like parents who are able to give extra tutoring to the students who are uh, having a difficult time. So I think uh, this is really a problem. We need to find a way to get our students back to, uh, to our buildings. So how do we do that, Gijs? You probably, you, you must know, you have the key well, to I'm that. wondering, is there a difference between the, the bachelor's and the master's students, sort of anecdotally from, from your experience? Because well, I remember when things opened up for me, having already done my bachelor's during, during normal times, it wasn't a big barrier to, to go back to yeah. campus. But I can imagine for bachelor's students who never had that experience, maybe it's... it's yeah. You lose those more easily? I, I guess that's a problem. Uh, that, that, that's, there's a difference. And uh, I see the way you describe it also. You were already settled in Utrecht. You have your, mm -hmm. your, your social life. You know your friends. So it's quite easy for you. For the better students, at the start of their career, coming for high school, I think the, the problem is bigger. I don't know the numbers, but I would guess that also master students are coming less to the university, which might not be such a big problem. Because, but we see the same in theater. Uh, we say you can get uh, tickets for uh, for theater, which you wouldn't be able to get unless you would be being in line for a long time. Uh, I went to a concert of the Rolling Stones with my son, and there were tickets available still. That's normally not happening. So it's. Uh, 
Yeah. This is why the first one was cancelled, I guess. This wasn't COVID. For, <laughs> it was a, he didn't have COVID. No, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we're not going to sold out. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to perform if it's not sold out. Hmm. No, but I. So, do you think, Berend, and maybe also Gijs or Evelyn, that we should um, do something extra now in the the first part, maybe of the academic year, which are, well, if we look uh, into the the, uh, the past years, how the uh, the pandemic waves how they went, that September, October, November are quite safe in terms of uh, infection rates. So, um, Bjorn, do you think we should do some extra here to, to get the students on the campus and to give them a, a, a start in, in, in university life and um, so more on the social part, so to say? Yeah, well, asking the question is answering them. I think it's obvious yeah. we need to do it completely different. I think one of the, we talked, we started off with lessons learned I think there are quite a lot of lessons we have learned, and if we don't put them into practice, we really make a big mistake. As an additional problem right now in Utrecht, we have the problem, of course, that we don't have our own building, so we are mm -hmm. scattered in different places. But we need to think about doing it differently. Even if COVID doesn't come back, we need to do it differently and yeah. put more focus on the social aspects. Well, yeah. yeah, of course, because we're um, we're masters, and uh, but we will having students who did yes. maybe even a major part of their yeah. bachelors online or uh, off campus at least. So, uh, yeah, that's, I yeah. understand. Yeah. yeah, and there will be different. So that if, if you have a bachelor student who's done two years online, it will be different bachelor student and uh, yeah. master student than the one who's went to UCR and did <laughs> all these cool things. So I think this is the issue. And, and actually, there are quite some reports from UNESCO and from uh, from different places say that we really have to think about that this is going to be a generation lost if we don't take measures in finding ways to, to understand it and then see what we can do to help. And also, don't do it too slow. Because I think understanding these I'm kind of people or these <coughs> kind of people, at least these kind of cohorts of students that have a lack of or physical education, then they won't benefit from your uh, insights of you know researching them and see what they have lost or what kind of lags they have. Yeah. I think it should be also in a manner of quick pace that you should invest in them so that they can feel the benefits in their education in the coming two years, because otherwise it's just you know it doesn't have any sense in the in the first place. Absolutely, because they don't know what they missed. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's also what I see with my own um, uh, master student cohort, is that um, we had the beginning of all of the courses, we were lucky that we were a small enough group that we could we could come to uh, the university and, and do a lot of things. But then when the lockdown started, we sort of stopped uh, doing anything um, with with uh, the, the master students as a group. And, and then um, when the restrictions lifted, um, yeah, there, there was really an opportunity for all of us to, to get together. And because we hadn't really done that yet either as a group, no one really did it. So at, at the end of the day, I feel like I don't know my fellow master students as well as um, I would have liked to, obviously. So I think the university could, could take some extra steps into trying encouraging that sort of thing to happen more. My um, master coordinator tried a couple times, but the timing was so unfortunate that it kept, she kept trying and then the pandemic restrictions would get worse, so she had to uh, cancel, so that, that was unfortunate. But I think, the, yeah, if there's more 
backup from the university to try and help it, I think would make that a lot easier, like trying to plan it in the, the safe months and things like that. Yeah. And how can we make sure that, um, so, so what are, so can you make it more concrete? So what could we be doing? But the problem is that often if we think we organize more social events, some of the students, what I hear is saying, well, this is not really, we don't, we don't have to question about this for the exam, so probably it's not that important. <laughs> and uh, so how, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know, because the one time that we did manage to get the master group together, most of the students were actually there. So um, having something to go to, at least for our group, but maybe again, it was because of a smaller group. So we had more of a sense of who the people were, I guess we were more likely to go. Whereas I think maybe if you have a much larger master program, of course, when you're more anonymous, maybe that thought happens uh, more easily. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, Evelina, you could think about that because I don't have a comparison with how it went before COVID uh, yeah. here. So I'm not sure if there were even many events during the... Once you start doing the master projects, I don't imagine that there's many opportunity for events anyway, even before COVID. Yeah, well, so I started in September 2019. It was just before the pandemics bro broke loose. Um, and we had in the introduction week, we had several social gatherings uh, for example, we went uh, canoeing here in the canals of Utrecht with our masters, but even with the whole GSLS. So you can have cross master programs and getting to know each other, which was also nice. Um, and I think that's an important step. Also, coming back to the question you asked, uh, Berend, um, you know, to be concrete, I think to be concrete is to start right, right away with the new cohorts and say, hey, these are social things that, you know, are just fun and enjoyable and even important for you to, I don't know, get the best out of your masters to have students to go to when you're feeling down or when you need some help, you know, uh, studying. Um, so then they kind of get raised with the feeling of, hey, these social things are important instead of, yeah, having had no social things and you're thinking like, okay, what's the added value here? So I think, yeah, just starting with it right away when they come here to Utrecht would be an enormous difference. So they just know that it's just part of it. And you, yeah. And would it be like general activities or more maybe on a master program level or on a GSLS level? So what, what do you envision? Yeah. Well, uh, I think the more political right answer would be GSLS wide, right? <laughs> I know yeah, you want correct. that. That's you correct. want me to to say that, but in no, the end, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. In the end, I do think that you know you've got the most, uh, you spent the most time with your fellow master students. Also, I think I would feel more uh, accompanied with someone who has a similar interest as me, which would be then, for example, neuroscience. So then you just because you are a new student, you know, you come from a bachelor, you go to a new master, a new group of people. And you, you know, it's the in-group, the out-group biological uh, principle, right? You just feel attracted more to people that are in your group, which is neuroscience-interested people. So, um, yeah, I, but it's also a personal uh, uh, meaning. Uh, so um, I would just suggest having, for example, the first lecture, we have the collective lecture of uh, life science, right? Together with whole GCLS, with like yes. 500 people in one uh, um, one room. That's a nice thing to start it off, uh, but I, I do think that then you have to focus a little bit more on your own program. Evelyn, it can also be like, don't you think it can also be like very simple, 
part of socializing is just being at the campus, hanging around, seeing other people, and just spending some time instead of working from the uh, your your bedroom in your parents' house yeah, and studying. Yeah. So I've I've I have a small good news. Last year, uh, just by sort of by accident, it was the Lustrum of the University, and we had uh, organized uh, several events for students like. Uh, Free, free smoothies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody realized it was because of the Rustum, but they enjoyed it. And you hang around the smoothie place, <laughs> and if it's for free, everybody likes it. And yesterday I heard from the head of marketing and communication that they'll do it again this year oh, cool. for our students. Nice. So I, th- I think that's, that's just nice, so just that you have a reason to go there because of the free cookies and the free good coffee and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think maybe we also do have some kind of a responsibility and maybe that's a long-term goal here. But I do think that as a university, we can also invest a little bit more in creating some learning communities instead of, as I feel it right now, we are just all individuals that want to, uh, well, uh, favorably uh, graduate cum laude and then go our own way in the career, whatever. But in the end, I think we have an added value if we would create more communities uh, and a community way of learning instead of, yeah, I don't know, being more individualistic. And I don't really have a concrete answer <laughs> on how to do it, but at least we're trying to, for example, in the translational life sciences profile that students can choose in their second master year, that we do have this um, challenge-based learning uh, way of uh, education in which we try to make a community there. And in that profile, the students really appreciate the fact that they have more social activities and learning together, studying together. And I think if we, if we can be able to scale that up in whole university, I think, yeah, it would make learning even nicer. Yes, interesting point. I think in the medical curriculum, especially in the masters or during the clerkships, they work in groups, so you're part of a group, smaller group, and... Uh, once or, or twice in the specific clerkship, there will be terugkomdagen, so return days that mm-hmm. you um, um, return with that group on campus to discuss, well, whatever um, is done. So I could imagine something like that as well, because even if you're in the same master program, you can be anywhere, right? Because you were doing your major internship or an internship in some lab or, or wherever. So having like a returning days of uh, where you can meet your fellow students in a certain context, maybe also like an informal uh, way of um, exchanging experiences or thoughts that could work perhaps. Yep. I think I, I've never met uh, someone who's, who's been to university for a couple of years who's, who doesn't say that the experience of going to university is bigger than just educational. So I can't imagine that if you, if you would try and add some extra elements to actually formalize the, the social aspects and the community building aspects, I don't think you'd get a lot of disagreement from students at the end of the day. I, I, I agree, I think, with you, but would I, so I, I agree, I agree, dot. I'm not going to say but. <laughs> uh, what I do hear sometimes from, uh, from students, like tutor students, for some of these small groups where they work on soft skills and working together, um, I heard quite a lot from my students. So, uh, we liked it, we enjoyed it, but we uh, we thought this is not the core of the program. Well, mm. uh, probably it is, like you say, it's like 50% should be knowledge, 50% should be all the other things that you learn. And that's a mindset which they get from high school where everything is focused on getting the, the good grades to get into university. 
it's a it's a whole thing in the the sciences in general, right? That oh, the, yes. the soft skills are, are poo pooed a, a little bit. Like the, these aren't <laughs> absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's so interesting because if you uh, uh, see a job vacancy in the newspaper, it will say, "Well, we need someone with a, a, a relevant." biomedical master degree, but what we are looking for is someone who can work in an interdisciplinary yes, environment, yes, yeah. who is creative, uh, um, frustration tolerant, and uh, um, so all those skills that we int intrinsically, I guess, learn at university, uh, maybe undervalue, are, I think, maybe the tickets to the job market at some point. Yeah, so. no, I agree. Absolutely. Okay, I think... Um, we have to close. Let's yeah, do a I quick so round too. at the table. Evelina, what's your take-home message here? Well, I'm not really sure, actually, because I'm also wondering if I would listen to this whole conversation and now looking back to what we discussed. I'm just wondering, so what's the first step? Maybe a question to you. My take-home message is not really a take-home, but just a question to you, actually, Harold and Nabirens. Yeah, why are we, what are we actually doing now? That's what's what's your first step? That's too easy. Yeah, that's too easy, Evelina. I will, I will take it home after your answer. <laughs> so what are you going to do next for our next generation who will listen to the podcast? Well, let me um, give the first answer. Um, I, uh, we had a, a presentation uh, from our new chair of our education committee, uh, Adrian Melchiont. And um, he um, was inspired by the, uh, the community of inquiry model, which has like the interaction between three presences. So the cognitive presence, the teacher presence, and the social presence. And he said, well, it's, it's always about interaction, but you can also envision it as, as some kind of an equilibrium, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, ideally this is in the center of the three, like, like a Venn diagram where they overlap. But what if you say, well, at the first part of the year, we shift the equilibrium a little bit more towards the social presence. And maybe at the cost of a little bit of the cognitive or the, the teaching presence, but... So, um, and then when the flu plus season comes, we can move a little bit away from that, which is not a problem because they had now have met each other. They have attached to campus. They have um, made friendships. So it will be easier online because we know each other and uh, um, that, makes, that makes that part easier. So I'm really, um, so maybe this is my take home message already. Mm -hmm. I think we should really, really invest in um, social interaction in, let's say, September until November, and then prepare ourselves also in our minds that we will have to, that we will face uh, restrictions in, um, in, in December, January, February, maybe also March. And maybe we're lucky and uh, we don't have them, but that we have the mindset this is going to happen and we have to prepare for that in terms of how we do our internships, in terms of how we deliver courses to students, how we uh, also take care of the social domain. And yes, um, we have to do this fast. Mm -hmm. So um, I would also like to encourage our listeners, please come up with ideas, uh, because we want to uh, accommodate them. We want to organize them if, yep. if they're there. Um, so I like that idea of the equilibrium, maybe also of our medical backgrounds, of course. But I think this is something that we have to design, that we have to support, that we have to feed, and uh, that we have to, well, it, I'm, I will say it softly, but maybe Corona's here to stay. <laughs> and uh, we, will, uh, we have to um, build this in our um, schedules, in our minds, in our, um, so... DNA. Uh, in our DNA, perhaps. Yeah. 
If, okay. I can, if I can answer, because then Gijs can close much better <laughs> than I can. <laughs> to answer Evelyn's point, two things for the next generation. Very good news for you. You have the Utrecht onderwijs model, education model, which has been set in stone for four years. And the director has just assigned groups. I'm chairing one of them to change the model or adapt the model to exactly the things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So challenge-based, community learning, all the other skills to have okay. that in the, yeah. in the model. And the other thing is, I, I agree, for that's for maybe for next year. Mm -hmm. For now, I completely agree with Harold. We should immediately start with organizing things for this first period. And we should learn from COVID in a way that we can adapt our curriculum even if there's no more COVID. Because yep. it, uh, it makes sense actually to do more social events in the beginning of a, of a year. And so we need to think differently about that. Yeah, okay. okay, thanks. Uh -huh. Thanks. And then the famous last words, uh, guys. Yeah, um, yeah, it's hard to, to distill a, a take-home message, of course, uh, from this. But I, while I agree that there's there's um, a huge amount of, of room to be gained in the, the social and community aspects for the university, I think, um, because we've spoken mostly negatively, of course, everything uh, that's happened, I think one of the advantages, one of the things the university did that worked really well, at least for me personally, was uh, hybrid education did bring uh, a lot of interesting aspects. Being able to watch lectures in my own time and uh, at my own pace was really uh, nice. And I think uh, there are also some good aspects that came out of that. And I think uh, using those online aspects might, might also help provide more ability to then do things at the university itself that are more community and uh, social oriented. Oh, that's a really good advice. So prepare at home the more cognitive transaction, yes. like a cognitive transaction, and come to campus for more the social yeah. interaction. It's a really nice idea. Yeah, okay. great. Okay, well, Beren Parker, Gijs Teunis, thank you for um, uh, being here. Eveline, thanks again. Of course, again. you too. And, um, of course, to our listeners, thanks for listening, and we hope to uh, see you back in our next episode of Radio Life Sciences. the Radio Life Sciences podcast for a behind-the-scenes look into GSLS, made by students and educators for the scientists of tomorrow.